1: I was pleased to see you smile at the top part show, because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much
2: out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. All
3: right. What's up, guys? Mike Trudell here on the Laker Film Room Podcast, presented by Blue Wire and Darius Soriano, kind enough to join today. Pete is enjoying vacation in an undisclosed location. And Darius, you know, I have just not wanted to even bother Pete. Like, put the phone away. I hope you're on a beach. I don't know where he is. I don't know what he's doing. I've asked no questions, but I hope
2: that he is relaxing because the ramp up is coming soon, buddy. The schedule's out. Mike, I know this is your favorite part of the year. I hope my guy Pete just disappears like Kaiser Sose, like he's been out (laughs) of the mix. Great, fantastic. R&R, we all deserve some R&R. And these are the dog days. Don't be editing videos down there, Pete. All right, don't, don't bring the laptop. These are the dog days. And I know for LFR fans, we appreciate the support. We especially appreciate it during these like on-off like, hiatuses, like, oh, every pod seems like it's coming out of nowhere, like LeBron on a chase down. It's just like, oh, look, there's a pod in my feed. And <laughs> so we're happy to have you guys listen and support Eventually, we will circle back and, and ramp back up soon, and we will get back to a more normal schedule. But for now, it's the middle of August, but this is your favorite time of the year, I know. Well, because I mean, well, it's it's it's, I, it's, what are it's your one your of most my favorite, favorite
3: days, yes, yes, of the year uh, when yes, when it comes out for sure, uh, for sure. There's no question about it. Um, I I did see on Twitter. And I haven't been on Twitter at... Wait, do I have to say
2: X? I'm, I'm saying Twitter. No, so. no, no. Mike, this is one of those ones where it's 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 not with the disrespect that happened with like Muhammad Ali during the thing where it's just like, his mama named him Clay. I'm going to call him yeah. Clay. But this thing is called Twitter. It's going to be called Twitter. It's like the Rose Garden to me. Like, wherever the Blazers play, it's always the Rose Garden. Wherever that place is called now it's still called twitter to me that's what it is
3: i thought i saw something i think it was from damon who wanted me to do 82 all 82 game <laughs> yes, uh, predictions yes. that's not going to happen today on the show <laughs> but we are going to get into the schedule so let's start here the biggest difference in this schedule darius from previous ones aside from the oh by the way we just hit a three while we're recording we'll talk about him later uh the biggest difference in the schedule The in-season tournament and understanding what the in-season tournament is, understanding what the two games that just say regular season on the 6th and the 8th are, whom the Lakers will play because they actually only have 80 opponents currently scheduled. And what the in-season tournament did was essentially make the back-to-backs go up a bit by an average of one per team. And for the Lakers, it ends up being a little bit more. Like the Lakers, the last two years have had 12 back-to-backs. This year, it's 15. Now mitigating that sum is that five of those back-to-backs have no travel. So there's like Memphis and SAC back-to-back home games in November, Utah and Dallas back-to-back home games. Uh, There is a Dallas San Antonio back-to-back, which is minimal travel. um, At least in Texas, there's another, there's two more home, home and home back-to-backs. And then there's one home game with the second game being against the Clippers, uh, which is essentially a home and home. So it's, like, on the one hand, for a LeBron and AD teamed areas, it's not ideal to have those increased back-to-backs. But you get a little bit more rest if you don't go to the final in that December uh, window at the beginning of the, the the month of December because of the in-season tournament. So that's the biggest shift. Uh, otherwise, we'll talk about all the differences about home-heavy start versus not and all that. But I wanted to start with the in-season tournament and just get your take on how you felt like that would That increase in back-to-backs and that week in December um, impacts things this season.
2: I'll be super interested to see how that plays out and whether or not the scheduling scheduling of that is another detail that goes into how teams treat things here, right? This is brand new. Could we see teams start to say like, oh, well, these games actually matter less than more rest, right? Like... We've seen teams before, too, where it's just like part of the appeal of avoiding the play-in, for example, is that you get that extra rest at the end of the regular season while those play-in games are happening. And you get that opportunity to scout, even if you don't know who you're going to play, that extra rest time allows you to prepare in in a way that you wouldn't necessarily get and some of these teams that don't advance in this mike this is going to be another another period similar to the extra time off after the all-star game where it's not this full extended break but it is a handful of days that you could use um in ways that advantage your team rather than playing games. And I'm just wondering how teams are even going to value that uh, versus the prestige of the cup, especially in these early years.
3: Yeah, I think I'm going to go, and this won't surprise you, you know, that I've been very gung ho on the in-season tournament. I think that as it builds, it's going to grow in interest for the players and yeah. especially like that fourth game. I think once all the scenarios come into play and you'll have people like you and me doing a full pod on well, if this team wins by six points on that in the, the game, the date would be the 21st of November. So the Lakers are playing Utah. And because basically it's going to be a three and one team that gets the wild card. And, and if a team goes 4 0, right, and, and that means that all there are going to be other teams that probably go three and one. And so point differential is going to be there. So I think that's the kind of thing that just adds a little bit of juice. And to avoid doing my whole pitch again, For the in-season tournament what i want to focus on briefly is just what i referenced earlier the sixth and the eighth and this is a little bit different right so usually you go into a season and i'll have my schedule article if you haven't read it yet i I tweeted it out and put it on instagram just like lakers schedule breakdown for 23 24 and there are eight teams in your conference that you play four times and there are four teams that you play three times so that means one team is only coming to your building once in the conference And you're only going to, or sorry, two teams are only coming once. And then you're only going to an opponent's team, uh, opponents building twice. This year, there are actually six teams um, that are currently listed as only having three games against them. Uh, And those six are Denver, Portland, Dallas, San Antonio, New Orleans, Utah. The reason is because those two games, if you don't advance to the quarterfinals, most likely two of those teams will have a fourth game added uh, and the Lakers will go, to one of those buildings and one of those teams will come to the Lakers building. Now, if let's say that the Lakers don't advance and Denver does, then it's not going to be Denver, right? Then it would be one of those other teams. Uh, and the funny thing about this is there, there are 22 games areas, basically, right? It Just do the math. Okay, every team has 80 games. How many are left? And that means that you can't match. It's an odd number. So you can't play them all West versus yeah. West and East versus East. So it's going to be two Western teams and two Eastern teams are going to play each other once more. So like the Lakers, I would say it's unlikely it'd be the Lakers. It might be a team more closer to the Midwest just for travel purposes. If the NBA gets to pick like say, you know, Chicago and Minnesota or Milwaukee and Memphis or something like that, or new Orleans and Atlanta, but you could see a third, like And then unlikely, but you could see a third lakers Celtics game. If it just worked out where both teams were towards the bottom of qualifying, I think it's unlikely. So that's how they're going to fill in those games on this, on the sixth and on the eighth. And does it ultimately matter that much? Probably not, you know, because it's, it's not going to matter as much as if like a key player misses a week, right? If you get Denver four times versus three times. But if you're like me, you go through the whole schedule, just looking for the optimal path and, Sure. It'd be easier, quote unquote, easier to play like San Antonio and Utah again than it would be Denver in New Orleans. But, you know, we shall see as the season plays out.
2: Well, it's also interesting, too, right, because everything right now, the day that the schedule releases and when we start to analyze the schedule, we're always envisioning teams at full strength. Like what would a full strength Lakers team look like against a full strength team X? Right. And opening night, Denver, and it's going to look like this. but. You know, and I know, you follow an NBA season, and these teams are rarely at full strength. It's rarely a matchup of everybody versus everybody, and so it could be... We could envision it being advantageous to play one of these lower rung Western Conference teams one additional time versus an Eastern Conference team that is potentially slated to be better. But will that Eastern Conference team actually be better on the dates in which you're going to be able to play them? And that's the quirk of the schedule right now. It's all forecasting. But when you're in the mix, things could always break. A very certain way and it's it's one of the reasons why we look at this stuff the like the way that we do because the schedule in general right is this whole big idea about like let's ramp up and let's start to be the best version of ourselves as close to the playoffs as you could possibly get but it's been several years Mike since the Lakers have actually had that opportunity to be that to follow that sort of trajectory, right? The closest thing they actually had was the bubble and the time off in between March and when the season actually resumed was much more of an aid towards that than would happen in a normal campaign, right? And every For team sure. benefited from, from that, Not well, not just the Lakers. So I don't want to say like, oh, it helped the Lakers more, but this idea of like the lakers have been disadvantaged i would say in so, in so many of these recent seasons just because of like coming off of the bubble and their extended run and what that that looked like and then some of the early season injuries that that they dealt with and and even last season and you wrote about this some in in a, your article at uh, lakers.com but the turnover of the team, combined with the mismatching of the stars within the roster and what the fit looked like, there like the, and then even some of the injuries that the Lakers faced at the beginning of last season when Dennis wasn't healthy and Thomas Bryant wasn't healthy, that that all impacted why the team was so bad coming out of the gate, right? And so the way things set up now, heading into this season, it's one of the more optimistic feelings I've had about the Lakers in several years, just because of the continuity piece, the talent piece, and irrespective of what the opponents look like, because you laid out some things that I'm going to want you to to get into momentarily, um, that I think things are setting up well for the Lakers to stand up to the idea of what they're purported to be by outside analysts. If that makes sense.
3: Yeah, it's it's so funny the way you put it because I've done this schedule breakdown now right since the I came here in 2008, and it's funny how when the team is good, and this would be certainly my first two years, they end up winning the title both years, and certainly like the 1920 roster, and certainly this like this roster, I wouldn't I would put somewhere a little bit below that, but like close depending because we have some question marks. But then when you look at the schedule, I don't care who it is, an elite team, a bad team, the schedule just looks better when the team is good. Whereas last year, when we looked at the schedule, it's very specifically, I don't know if they can beat that team on opening night. You know, I don't know if like that's going to be a tricky road game because of the the young energy. Like this Lakers team, as currently constructed, and I do think there's still a move there. We've already talked about on the pod this summer how we certainly think the Lakers need at least one more legitimate big. And I'm not sure that that player is going to be out there on a minimum contract and therefore they may have to make a move. But even with that said, they're good enough to win any game on any night in the league. They're good enough to go win at Denver on opening night as tough of a game that is. They're good enough to beat Boston in Boston. They're they're good enough to beat anybody in their home floor. Um, there are also plenty of really good Western teams where you look at the schedule and there isn't just the auto win, like the just check. Now, maybe – Portland makes their move, you know, and they're going in a certain direction. We'll see how serious Utah takes it. We'll see what San Antonio does with how good when actually can be defensively, all that stuff. But even so, those are teams that can beat you. You know, Houston gets Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks, and they've got talented young guys. They can beat you. So it's not, this isn't a schedule that I look at in the same way I looked at the Lakers schedule my first year with Kobe coming off of the finals loss and was like, that's 60 plus wins. You know, like they're the teams are not there. They are on a mission. It's prime Kobe, like it's prime pow. It's game time. That's not this year. But I don't think there's any team in the West that has that type of an edge going in over the rest of the competition. So that just underscoring your point, Darius, that the the biggest thing the Lakers have going for them looking at the schedule is the continuity of their roster and the balance of the roster. And, and within that, you know, we can go through the schedule minutia, but that's the thing that you, that's the box that you want to check first of all, before you find out where you're playing and when.
2: Well, if I could add one more thing, Mike, it's it's also that even though the Lakers made a run to the Western Conference Finals and there were injury questions with LeBron and his foot and a d, even though he played every game, he had a pretty serious injury during the season that created a bunch of question marks about his ability to last through that stretch is I think they come into this season as healthy as they've been as a group as well, right? And so, we are finally far enough away from the bubble where the schedule has both normalized and given everyone enough time away from that to say they are back into what a normal cadence would look like for them in terms of routines, in terms of workouts, and just in terms of having the proper ramp up back to what it's going to look like for a training camp. right? And there was no like, oh, this guy ended his season hurt or yep. he had this this procedure that is keeping him off until a week before training camp. There's nothing like that now.
3: I said the same thing on the studio show last night in Spectrum. LeBron AD healthy going into the season. No, not no things that we had to hear about. Austin playing at Team USA coming in in peak form. You know, D'Lo healthy, Vanderb- Vanderbilt, Rui, Gabe Vincent, everybody should be ready to go.
2: So that part of things combined with the continuity and Darwin's second year and familiarity, just there are so many arrows that are pointing up for this team. And And yes, do they look like the juggernaut team that is like, oh, this team can win 65 games? Not necessarily. No, but... I honestly don't see a team like that in the entire league. Like when we, whenever we do our our, our tiers discussion again, as we get closer to to the regular season, um, I think we'll have some spirited discussions ar- around a few different teams and what their ceilings are. Right, but I think all of those ceilings are likely depressed a level from what we were used to growing up as like NBA fans, where there were those clear three to four teams that are like, okay, that team can flirt with 60 wins and be, or a 60 plus win team and really look like the cream of the crop. I'll be interested to see what the parody looks like there. So on that note, Mike, let's take a quick break. And when we come back on the other side, let's dive into some of the nuances of the schedule a little bit more.
3: All right, breaking down the schedule. The first thing that you notice is that it's more of a road-heavy start than has been typical of late. And this falls a little bit, Darius, into the category of, sure, it's not ideal to have more games on the road, but I'll take the roster this year versus what we saw last year and the year before when it was with Russ and we knew that something was going to have to get done at some point. Uh, and with that said, though, uh, so it was 12 of the first team games were at home in twenty one twenty two. 10 of the first 15 were at crypto.com last year and this year it's only three of the first nine and then nine of the first 20. now you can look at these specific trips uh, that they're going on and you know it's, it's not necessarily easy ones one of them um like you start going to denver it's ring night then you go for a back-to-back sacramento and home against orlando then it's the miami and orlando switch or the the uh, sorry the florida stretch orlando miami and then Houston and Phoenix, so it's not. I'd say that's sort of a middle of the road. You get some elite teams, you get some teams that are um, that are kind of in the middle, and then you get a Orlando team that I actually like more probably than some. Um, they're big and they're young and they're athletic, and that can be a tough game, especially because the Lakers play them twice uh, within the course of I think five days or five or six days. So it's a it's a it's a stretch to me that it's not like make or break by any means. But you know you don't want to get too far behind the eight ball, uh, and I think that it's it's an opportunity for the Lakers to show all of those things that we just discussed with the yeah. roster and with the continuity with the health and and maybe maybe I can talk myself into it uh, that getting them going a little bit by by not having it you know having the teams that you're sort of supposed to win um, every night in that stretch maybe that can actually have a positive impact on the team.
2: Well, I think that we'll get into this more as we get closer to the start of the regular season. But the idea of setting the right tone for the team. And like you talked about your first season with the team, the the oh eight, oh nine season. That team was on a mission. So we've seen on on a mission teams. We've seen them from the Lakers and we've seen them from other organizations as well. Like I remember that Spurs team that lost to the Heat the season before and then went out the next season and just wreck shop um the 73 win warriors team were like this the 72 win bulls team were like this there's a bunch throughout history and even teams below that that level that just have that i that quote unquote eye of the tiger that really want to go out and and have something to prove i'll be interested to see where the lakers fall on that spectrum um but if they come out as a team that's looking to make noise early and set a standard for themselves as a team and the 1920 team was like this as well. Yeah. And just,
3: and just not want to have to be a chaser again, you know, to like get some early wins and get somewhere in that top half of the standings and not need to go on, not to need to rip off a, Uh, eight wins out of 11 games in the end of March and April, you know, in the playoff battle and have to expend LeBron's energy, you know?
2: Well, also, Mike, like, look, four of the team's first five games, right? Denver, Phoenix, Sacramento, Clippers, each of those games in, in their own way can be a bit of a statement game. Right. Like even that that Kings game at Sacramento, the Kings are going to be looking to build on their momentum from last season. Right. And even though they had a disappointing loss in the first round versus the lower seed seed warriors, they could always sort of chalk that up to experience and first time for that group. But they're going to come out with something to prove, too. And so these early tests, I think, are good for the Lakers. Right. Um, I I wanted to transition, though, because. One of the reasons why the Lakers typically have a home heavy start is because of the Grammy road trip, right? And, and so they experience a long road trip every single season, similar to the Spurs and the Clippers. The Clippers are are um, a team that deals with the Grammy stuff too, and the Spurs with the rodeo road trip. And there's other teams that sort of have their arena go offline for stretches, and, and they're just forced to, to the road. So – I want to look at this, though, from the other perspective, Mike, not necessarily that they're on the road more to start the season, but because they are on the road more, a little bit more to start the season, and they have those built-in road trips during the season that you're going to have every, every single year, I'm sort of encouraged by these stretches of extended home games and not just extended home games, but home games too, where even the road games that are littered in there are very close. Right. Yeah. And so I'm looking at like this February yep. stretch, March. right? Yeah. The February and March stretch where it's just like, oh, okay, I, I, well, oh, so
3: you're saying the home. So the January, they're at home, almost the whole month, March, they're home almost the whole month, but then the like February, you got the all-star break mixed in. So yes. yeah, go on it, go on. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and so like, so, I'll hold the January stuff for a second because I really want to dive into that part with you. But even coming out of the all-star break, they're at the Warriors. So that's in California, right? A short trip. And then they're back home on a back-to-back, right? Against the Spurs. Then they go to Phoenix, which is, you know, another short trip. That's not far, far at all. And then on the road against the Clippers, right? So they're back in LA. And then they're... Then they're at home again. So that game against the Clippers is on the 28th. They play the next night again in LA against the Wizards. All the way up through the 24th of March, they're still in California. And their only road game during that stretch is one road game at Sacramento, which again is in California. And, and so I'm looking at that stretch in February, in January and then that second stretch coming out of the All-Star break all the way up through the game on March 24th against the Pacers, where they're in the same time zone the entire time, basically. And that's that's a great stretch to me where they could really make a push.
3: So in short, they don't leave California other than one trip at Phoenix, which is a one-hour flight, from February 15th, which is the start of the All-Star break, until March 25th. Um, which is a ridiculous stretch of games. And you mentioned the ga- the road games are Warriors, Suns, Clippers, and then Kings. You know, f- that's the type of thing that I'm thinking of, not just in terms of the overall team, but more specifically for LeBron. Uh, yeah. And just a time to that, that to me should be the time where LeBron is getting his ramp up. And I don't know if that means in year 21, in unprecedented year 21, Darius, there are four players I've, I've only four players have ever even played a 21st season and none of them were coming off an all NBA third team run not from their year 20. So that like it's unprecedented, but is LeBron going to need a game or two in that stretch? I'm not sure, but regardless, not having to leave the state, uh, I, I do think can be big. And then, you know, it's a long trip at the end of March and early April. And it's, it's, let's see, it's, one, two, three, four, five of the teams are in the or Eastern Conference, and Memphis could be in the Eastern Conference uh, by geography. So, yeah, it's a it's a big stretch that also comes on top of, and this is kind of, I want to build this through to the whole schedule, the January stretch, which is you're not leaving California other than to go to Utah for one game uh, between the 1st and the 24th. Or no, I'm sorry, the 1st and the 26th. No, the 1st no. and the 27th, because because Golden State is also in California. So the yeah. January 1st to January 27th is all in the state of California, with the exception of Utah. And then you get potentially, you get that December stretch at the beginning of the month uh, where there, there should be at least fewer games, unless you're going all the way to the final. And therefore, I'm looking at it like, okay, opening stretch, difficult, then bit of a break over, over that early December. January definite break, March definite break, and I I just I like the way that sets up. It's not as extreme as the bubble pandemic year in which there were four months between the end of the season and the next one. But I, I I'm seeing that from a LeBron clock standpoint and a LeBron energy standpoint as being something that Lakers can be strategic about.
2: That ramp up that you discussed leads perfectly into this this testing ground of the end of March and then into April, right where is it going to be a hard road trip yeah it is they're at milwaukee at memphis at the pacers who are going to be an improved team at brooklyn which i'll be interested to see what brooklyn looks like this year they're they've got a ton of wings um and are going to have some potential explosiveness on on offense and i think defensively as well and then they close out with a back-to-back at toronto and at washington that stretch there Should be a good sort of proving ground for where they are in terms of that then going into the final stretch of the regular season where Cleveland, Minnesota, Warriors, Memphis, Pelicans. That's another stretch where all of those teams should have the mindset of we're at least going into the season of we want to be a playoff team. And we'll likely have something to play for unless like injuries or something goes goes wrong. Right. And so obviously we're forecasting all the way out to April. We we don't know what things will look like then. But if everything lines up in in a certain way, that stretch of being home or home ish from January through that through that late period in March, and then ramping up into some harder challenges and then the playoffs, that seems like the right kind of springboard to me, or, or would you like it to be sort of easier? Because I'm, I'm of the mind where iron sharpens iron.
3: Yeah, I, I guess to me, the games that are the least significant in terms of the schedule are in April because hmm. every team has a different agenda and some teams are trying to lose Some teams are locked into their playoff spot and then some teams are, are just sort of in the middle. And then this is where like, this is a larger Lakers conversation specifically though, because this is where really where it's about LeBron and AD. And if LeBron and AD go into any game saying we, we need to win this game, then they usually win that game. That's what we saw last year. And I don't like their own sense of urgency and it certainly bears out in the playoffs against the quality opponents. Up until the point where against Denver, they tried to play that way, and they just didn't have enough relative to Jokic and the fully healthy Denver team and the way that they were clicking. And I think the, the legs overall, based on what LeBron and AD had had to do. But generally, like when they really do bring their A game, and now they have Austin Reeves, who's emerged as—I'm not going to say the number, but I—I I was in my head. Somebody asked me yesterday about Austin, like, hey, we're like how many players in the world are better than Austin and it just do that exercise in your head and maybe we'll do we'll the void for Pete to come back and we can do that pod. But anyway, the point is he's higher than, than I think some might think. And I'm I'm doing, going through all of this and looking at the schedule. And so the April stretch there, it will be all about what they have to do. And this is why I want to swing back though, to the importance of that March stretch yeah, I, I would. I think that the Lakers would like, and I think LeBron would like, not to have to win all of those games where they could they could approach those games like some teams last year did, whether it was how Memphis did or how Denver was able yeah. to approach, Denver. especially those games exactly. late in the season, or even Sacramento, who was up there just because they were the healthiest team um, ever almost last year. And I'll keep repeating that uh, to the annoyance, I'm sure, of many Kangs fans. And that's that's like where I'm at, Darius. Going through all of this, use the take it seriously early, get a bit of a cushion and, and just like, instead of being the chaser, um, try and find a way to stay out of that, that play in mix by being comfortably up. And, and I think that if they can do that, then you're talking about a team that is in a better shape, a better shape for a real playoff run, even though they just made a real playoff run, but you know, we saw how it ended.
2: So we're going to wrap up soon, but. I've got a couple of rapid fire questions that I wanted to send your way, mostly from like a a person who travels with the team, is on the road with the team from the unique position of Lakers sideline reporter. I read your piece. How important is it to the team and then to you that the holiday schedule worked out the way that it did this year in comparison to last year? So it's a little bit of context. Last year, the Lakers were traveling basically for every holiday, every family thing that you could be on the road for, you were on the road for. Right. So I think it was Halloween. It was Thanksgiving. It was Christmas. They were away for all of that stuff. And this season, most of that stuff pivots back to being where the Lakers will either be at home or on their way home. And it it works out well for them. So 30 seconds just on that or a minute on on what that means to you. No, that that's
3: the first thing when I when the schedule pops up that I kind of selfishly look for. And I think this is for anybody because th- these are all family occurrences. But especially if you have kids, you know, you're looking at Christmas and last year it was Dallas. This year it's home. So check that. That's a big one. Thanksgiving, another one where y'all, everybody wants to be around their family right at home and check. Halloween this year, no game. Trick or treat is available. That was actually the one holiday last year um, that we were home for, so I didn't okay. get to do Halloween last year, but that was it. And then New Year's, New Year's Day, we were gone. New Year's Eve, we were gone. There was a game on New Year's Eve, so the team. I will actually be in the air uh, with the team heading back from New Orleans when the uh, the clock strikes midnight, uh, and but we'll be back at probably you know anywhere between one and two in the morning, so we'll have New Year's Day. And then uh, you know, Doctor Martin Luther King Jr. Day also home, so that's a big thing. I, I think that that's the kind of stuff that matters for LeBron. You know, that's the kind of stuff that matters for AD, who has three kids now. So, yeah, it's a it's a big thing in that context. Just like the schedule can seem daunting, uh, I think, for, especially for for the coaches. The coaches put in. Let me let me. I'm jumping all over the place, but I thought of the coaches while talking about players and myself because. The coaches will get back from a six game road trip or a 10 game road trip, and then they'll be in the office all day the next day. Whereas I will be home, you know, I will be home. I might do a pod with you two and then I'm home for the next day. The coaching staff is like in the building, um, working guys out, making the game plan for the next day. Those guys, especially, um, the strength coaches, right? The trainers, all of the support staff. I think it's big to have those, those holiday, Breaks to look forward to, as opposed to just being like, nope, it's it's gone. It's <laughs> I'll see you in Marcher. I'll see you in April uh, or whenever the playoffs end. And, and so that's big for this year.
2: One last quick one: is there one or two? Is there a one or two game stretch that stands out to you where it's just like, ah, uh, like like these are the important games that go beyond like Boston on Christmas or like marquee matchup against this team? Is there a game or two where you feel like like that you're looking forward to the most?
3: Yeah, I I think I'm going to take the opposite approach of John Morant in this one and stay focused on the West. Like, to me, it's one thing if you get to the finals and you lose in the finals, like the Lakers in 2008 to Boston, then that next year it's I want everybody's head, Boston most of all. And we won the West. So like, yes, concerned about the West, but the the goal is it's just title. For me, you have to start by kind of establishing a certain amount of success against the teams in your conference. And you know Pete and I have gone back and forth on this a little bit, but I I'm really circling Phoenix, and I think that first play in uh, the first in season tournament game, which is November 10th, is going to be Phoenix. a really big one. Yeah, and that a, first of all because it's at Phoenix. Now the Lakers, of course, do play Phoenix before that. They play Phoenix at home the second game of the season um, on a TNT exclusive. They also, of course, open the season with Denver. But you know, first two games of the season, Darius sometimes the rotation can look different from what it ends up looking like. Teams are ironing things out. I, I don't always take as much away, but by that third week, you know, by that game against Phoenix, it's the, what is it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's the ninth game of the season. And I think whoever wins that game is going to have the best chance to get to the quarterfinals, you know, because Memphis doesn't have jaw and then it's Utah and then it's Portland. So that's one thing in season tournament, certainly interested. And then I, I also just want to see like, how good is Phoenix by that point? And I think yeah. they're going to be really good. And so that that's one that I'm circling for sure. And then I'm also curious, like once Jaw gets back, we haven't spent a lot of time talking about Memphis. I say we as sort of the the larger basketball yeah. world. Yeah. And it's almost like, ah, uh, Ja's out. Like they, They're they still, I think, they got a chance to be really good. They're really tough to play. I love Jaron Jackson Jr. They've got a lot of good players. So that's a team that I don't think can be left out of the discussion with Denver, with Phoenix. People are going to talk about Golden State more. The team that I'm going to push, I am going to push out of that discussion is Sacramento, uh, which I've already <laughs> I've already grabbed on them once <laughs> in this pod. <laughs> but I'll but I'll I'll do that I'll do that again. So um, last the last one for me, the personal trip highlight um, is December 20th and 21st, a back to back in my two cities, uh, Minneapolis and Chicago. Um, so I, I uh, you know, I went to school in one of those cities. I'm from the other one, so that's like my kind of chance to get to bring holiday gifts to a lot of my folks. Um, it's a nice it's a nice time right there like five days and right around the
2: holidays too and then back at minnesota again mike like right before new year's and so you'll get to double dip with some family uh over a two-week stretch the stretch that
3: you got a game by the way like maybe maybe lakers at warriors so you can come and hang out with your boy
2: i was gonna say lakers at warriors january 27th which then propels us right into what i call like the lakers road trip If there's a road trip that matters to Lakers fans or to the team where there's just a vibe in the air a little bit, it would be this stretch, Mike. And so Lakers and Warriors, right? Little SoCal, NorCal rivalry. They play Atlanta on this road road trip, which as you know, is like a hotbed of Lakers fandom. You will always get a good crowd, a good Lakers push in, in Atlanta and then at Boston, Great rivalry. And then in Madison Square Garden, which is one of those games like the Boston, New York. And don't forget Dylan Brooks in Houston. Oh, yes. Yes, totally. How could I forget, Mike? But that going to talk New LeBron y- before that game. <laughs> for sure. For sure. The Boston, New York combination, Mike, that's like to me, like the Kobe trip. To me, because those are the two games that I feel like when the Lakers went East would always matter the most to Kobe. He wanted to murder Boston every single time. And playing at MSG always meant something to Kobe. And and he always tried to give it to the Knicks and and had some memorable performances there.
3: That was my my first time seeing Kobe. uh, My first time seeing Kobe play at Madison Square Garden was the 61. Um, in february of 2009 so i got a pretty good entry into that that game was insane
2: i'm not sure if it was this game or a different game mike but the the one where he did the ball fake reverse pivot and then um the left shot at the, yeah like at the elbow yeah where i don't know if that was the 61 point game or not but in msg and like the the way that the crowd started to like almost like they'd never seen anything like that ever before. Like no, there was that a was gasp. the, that was the, that was the mar- That was the scoring mark. And at the time it was since passed. And
3: and yeah, dude, it was a, it was like just a celebration of basketball basically. And Kobe just, just uh, yes. as the director of the conductor.
2: And, and look, one last thing, since we're talking Kobe, it's his birthday next week. It's also my brother's birthday next week. So rest in peace to two dudes who meant very much to me. Mamba day coming up the day after that mike i'm sure you're gonna cop or you're gonna try to cop maybe you got a plug for the kobe halo eight oh man the need colorway em. that's gonna need drop em. need them right so if we don't so if you don't hear from us before then happy birthday to kobe happy Mamba day and mike it was great talking schedule with you you've been listening to the laker film room podcast and we will catch you all next time Danger's got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic, Worthy dies on his belly, Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires, it's good, the Lakers win the game! The Lakers win the game! Three seconds left, That next to the winner, it. it's on the way, good! Kobe Bryant, 48 points,
1: 16 rebounds, There's the it's move, scored.
0: two, going. one, missing. it, victory, it's over, shot popping out of five, Bryant, yes,
1: and that was a little tough to Albert Gentry, that insult to injury, Kobe, I mean what a shot, I mean you can't defend that, are you kidding me, 2.1 seconds remaining, Denver a foul to give, Jokic,